Hello and welcome once again to The Dumpster Dive, an exploration of cult cinema. As always, I remain your host, Patrick, and with me is my co-host and brother. Me, I'm Jordan. And we're here to talk about a movie that I can't believe we have yet to talk about on air, on the record, <laughs> because I feel like um, this has been in the rotation of potential movies to discuss for yeah, years. Yeah, that's just because of me, though. Primarily, yeah. Uh, because I didn't know the you. last time you saw it. But it's kind of, it's it seems very much in our wheelhouse. Um, a little, I think people like this movie, but I think it, it's also a genuine dumpster dive and mm-hmm. that it definitely um, deserves to be looked at again um, and closer in, in our inimitable style. Um, inimitable. Yeah, that's your word of the day. <laughs> like um, oh, and we have a new segment in this episode, but we'll get to that. Oh, we're going to debate. Yeah. No, 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 no. We're going to we're gonna debut a new segment at the end of the episode, um, but we'll get to that later. Well, it's still kind of the same. Similar. Okay, well, whatever. Well, that's a little tease. A little tease. For Probably should have thought this out better. Go ahead. Yeah, that's the, that's the theme of this podcast. It should have been. It should have been thought through more thoroughly. But um, the theme is next time it'll be different. I promise. Yeah, we'll get the hang of this eventually. Um, but uh, that's later. First, we're gonna have our our feature discussion. Uh, so let's cut to the trailer, and then we'll be back to talk about this very good movie. To some, it was the fulfillment of a dream. To others, it was an instrument of destruction. A creation that could change the course of history. It was stolen from my factory. Where's the package? What do we tell the president? Tell me exactly why this merchandise is so important to the feds. It's a rocket. A rocket? What's the matter? I don't know. There's something under the seat. Oh, my. What are you doing here? What do you suppose it is? A bomb or something? No. I wouldn't touch that if I were you. How do I look? Like a hood ornament. Stand clear. What was that? heard the uh i think memorable trailer for the rocketeer because as i was watching the movie 
Well, I, a little bit because I'm not saying it's forgettable. It's just, I don't even think I remember. Well, this is one of those movies that like I had not seen since I was young. Uh, the mm-hmm. Rock- Rocketeer came out in 1991, but it's also one of those movies that like as I'm watching it now as an adult, not having seen it for many many years, yeah. or even really thought about it too much, except us bringing it up as a potential. Yeah, except I mention it every time. Yeah. Um, but, like, there's scenes in the movie that are, like, super familiar. So I'm like, oh, oh yeah. I must have watched this, like, a bunch of times. And then there were even scenes that were like, oh, I remember that was in the trailer. You know? Okay. <laughs> so That's funny because I don't really like, remember the burned trailer. Burned into my mind. Like that. Um, like I think he like blasted like a field at one point. And they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, oh that's a yeah. big gopher. That was definitely yeah, in yeah. the trailer. Well, I, I guess if it wasn't in the trailer, I'm just no, that proving is. myself to be a liar because we just played the trailer. It is. <laughs> but, um,. The, so there was, it was like that. There was this indelible scenes in my mind of uh, Disney's The Rocketeer. Mm-hmm. So this is, um, I said this is very much in our wheelhouse because this is um, from that era that we kind of keep circling yeah, back Yeah, that's to. why it always comes up. Yeah, of like, you know, before superheroes and fantasy and all the stuff that we love really kind of took over cinema, the, there were these... Sp- few examples of the genre proto superhero superhero movies kind of scattered in there and most of them sucked you know but the rocketeer is is always uh held up as like an exemplar yeah there's a few good examples of those but for the most part we did dick tracy i think (laughs) that's one of them that one came to mind and then also uh that one the mask of zorro that we did right and i know you didn't have a super strong reaction to that so i was kind of like Oh, these are kind of similar. I will say I I was reminded (laughs) of it a little bit. Um, It it is very much. It it is the more that I listen to the director, too, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. So where should we start? Um, Do you want to summarize the film? Do you want me to summarize the movie? Um, You can summarize it. It's a good good story. It's a good, really sharp. You saw it just yesterday. Yeah, really sharp. I mean, I know it. Okay, so I'm going to kind of go through and you stop me if I get something wrong. Because Uh it's fairly simple, but there's also a lot of characters. Um, Yeah, it's almost kind of pointlessly complicated. Yeah, so it takes place in the 1930s. Mm -hmm. I think 39 or 38. 38, yeah. Because I think it's literally the same year as uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, and it definitely harkens back to that movie, too. Um, So the main character is is it Cliff Secord, is that his name? Yeah. Um, So he is a a kind of down-on-his-luck pilot. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think he and... Um, this older guy who's like kind of the mechanic, they kind of like do like stunt shows. Is that kind of their deal? Yeah, he's like a stunt test pilot. Yeah, sort of. kind of. Th- yeah. Um, so they have this kind of scruffy little operation. I don't, th- I don't know if that's like the entirety of the, their job. I think they do that to make the money. But yeah. I think they're more of like in the experimental flying yeah. aspect. Yeah. But they do like air shows. And yeah, yeah. Cliff is famous for like dressing up like a clown and yeah, flying they do around like and stuff like clown that. Clown like show. Stuff like that. Yeah. So they're testing out a new a plane um, that they've they've built and in the opening and when cliff is in there flying the plane um below there's this car chase happening and it's the uh fbi Mm -hmm. are chasing there's a police car too like gangsters are yeah chasing these like classic 1930s gangsters who have some kind of a a package that the fbi is trying to recover a macguffin yeah so they're the they're these cars are shooting at each other and i think the plane gets shot is what happens which causes cliff to crash the gangster uh one of the there's two gangsters in the car one is killed and the other hides the package in the in the hangar where yeah. the, where the airplanes are in the plane in the hangar yeah in the plane in the hangar where 
Cliff works. Yeah. And then proceeds to um, crash his car, and he ends up in the in the hospital. Um, and so, like, where to go from here? There are so many characters. So eventually, they discover it. What the package was. Yeah, eventually Cliff discovers the package, which contains an experimental jetpack. They call it a rocket in the movie, um, which will allow Cliff to eventually become the rocketeer. Um, They figure out what this thing is. Cliff and um, PV is the name of his kind of mentor, kind of mechanic, older uh, gentleman. Um, and they're like, this is it. This is our ticket to like fame and fortune. We can put on like the best. Yeah, they show. even say like, how much would you pay for a flying man? Yeah, they and they're they're one plane that they were going to do the nationals. That or try to fly the nationals. It that was, was the destroyed. Thing that was destroyed. And, yep. So they so they essentially it. have nothing. Yeah. It really with all the characters and all that's going. It, that it is, is a it is a sharp script. Yeah. Everything really ties together. So they find this rocket after some kind of fun kind of testing montage. They um, figure, It's like the trying out the superpowers. Yeah, very much montage. so. They figure out how to use it. Um, and Cliff ends up debuting um, a little early because he ends up having to save someone. Something goes wrong during an air show. Yep. Um, and he debu- makes his debut as the Rocketeer, and the guy who's kind of promoting the show names him, and he becomes something of a celebrity. Meanwhile, um, the you find out that the the mobsters, the gangsters, had been working for an actor. Uh, he had a great name, Neville Sinclair, yep. kind of an Errol Flynn type, um, who had hired these gangsters to get this experimental rocket for him. Mm-hmm. Why does an Hollywood actor want this experimental they rocket? They literally say that in the movie. How does he even know about that? We'll come back to that. Um, <laughs> and then you also find out that the rocket was designed by Howard Hughes. <laughs> yeah. And you, you find, find that out much why well, that not is. much later, actually. Yeah, you find it? out why that is later. Mm-hmm. Um, so Howard Hughes is a character in this movie. This whole movie is like a big love letter to the 1930s and 1930s pulp adventure yeah. and pop culture um, based on a comic book. That's very much what the comic was. That's very much what this movie was. So everything about like 1930s popular culture yeah. is in this. Oh, they use everything. W.C. Fields like, makes an appearance. Yeah. Um, there's a character um, who the actor... There's Nazis, of course. There's Nazis. There's characters that the actor hires. Um, who, there's a character who looks like... Oh, uh, yeah. I forgot Rondo Hatton. If people know Rondo Hatton, this, this fame, kind of, famous kind of B-movie um, actor had a very unique look. Yeah, um, really they, tall, monster. Yeah, character. they make up a character to look like him. So it's just like a love letter to 1930s and pulp adventure. Um, so Howard Hughes doesn't want to build another rocket. He's like, this was a mistake. The FBI wants to get this rocket back. The uh, well, how, Hughes also wants it because it's the only thing in existence. Hughes wants it back. Probably because he so, wants to destroy so everybody it. Everybody wants this rocket. Yeah. And then the and then of course when the Rocketeer makes his debut, they're like, okay, we gotta find this guy, we gotta get this rocket. And then the other major character of course is the love interest, mm-hmm. um, Cliff's girlfriend, who is an aspiring actress, is working with Neville Sinclair on a film yep. and eventually Neville Sinclair discovers her connection to the Rocketeer. Of course she ends up getting She's dating a guy that found the rocket but yeah he didn't see her or he didn't see right. cliff 
Right. So, and he has to figure it out. But you can't just come out and ask her. Right. Because Cliff doesn't want it to anybody to know. Right. You're right. It is very tight. Yeah. Script. So, it, that's what I mean. Like, it it's, it's kind up. of complicated, but it, it all is kind of tied together. Like, you mm-hmm. said, it's overly complicated, but it's like, well, it's, that, that stuff, it's really not. Because, like, everyone's motivation is, like, super clear. That stuff is complicated in the right way, though. Yeah. Where it, it's, that's why it's, like, a perfect setup. Yeah. Because like, everyone has him, a clear motivation. Yeah, but even with him being like a superhero, in, to become a quote-unquote superhero, the only reason he is is because he was wearing a helmet. Right. Like it's not like he was trying to disguise himself. Right. It's not like it's like he's forced. And to, he wanted to make money. And he was trying to. It's kind of like Spider-Man. He was trying to yeah. save a person who had done something that he felt bad about earlier, so that they felt guilty. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I don't want to explain it too much because it would just give everything away. But it's a great setup, and all of a sudden he's just like, oh, I guess I am the superhero now. And then they show, like, in the paper, like, oh, Rocketeer rescues, blah, blah, blah. And he, even he's, like, cool. Like, he, it wasn't even something, like, he set out, like Batman. He didn't set out to become it. It just happened. Right. And that's, like, a really clever uh, intro, an yep. origin story. <clears throat> and I know that's almost, like, straight from the comics. Almost yeah, exactly. Yeah, There's I actually, a little more, like, complication yeah. added to it. I actually don't think I've read the comics, or I haven't I, read... I have fairly recently. Actually. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, let me ask you this, because, like, I know aesthetically, like, I've seen that art. Like, it just seems mm-hmm. like this, aesthetically, like, image-wise, this is a super faithful adaptation. Like, story-wise, is it pretty close? Uh, it's It's close in terms of the origin. So up mm-hmm. until the origin story, cool. the comics go off in a different yeah. direction. Comics are like a different story happens right. after he becomes the Rocketeer. Right. So in that way, uh, it's not. But in terms of like the helmet is exactly like the Dave Stevens. Yeah. Story. Oh, yeah. That is exactly. Yeah. The, Super famous. The jetpack's different because they were like, oh, it looks kind of silly in the comic. And they wanted to design it. Oh, I didn't so realize that, looks, that. Okay. Yeah, that's different. Because in the comic, it looks almost kind of like a cartoon rocket, yep. like a Wile E. Coyote rocket. They designed it where it's got like two Ooh, engines. We'll, ta- we'll be talking about Wile E. Coyote later. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, so that part's different, but it kind of invents its own story. Like the Neville Sinclair stuff isn't, but it fits in that vein because the Rondo Hatton character is uh, L- Lothar. Right, Luther? I remember. I always forget what his name is. I don't remember, but I, but I remember the images from the comic. Yeah, he's in there. Um, but it, he does different things. So it's like the same characters, but it's not the same story. The origin is like almost literally the exact same mm-hmm. thing added up. So that's close to it. Cool. And that's a really faithful adaptation in, in terms of that. Yeah. So like the one plot element that like we kind of sort of half mentioned was like Neville Sinclair is a Nazi. Like that's revealed. Yeah. Um, so that's why he wants He's a Nazi spy disguised yeah, as that, the actor. That's why he wants this rocket. And that's why the rocket was developed, because they had found out that the Germans were developing this technology, yeah. so Howard Hughes wanted to get a jump on it. So it's really got everything you would want from, like, a classic, like, pulp adventure. Like, like you would, if you would have told me this is an adaptation of, like, a popular, like, um, 1930s serial, like, I would have believed it, because that's what it seems like. It just seems like, yeah. you know, it, it just draws on, like, all that stuff. And there are serials where they have similar helmeted characters. Oh, yeah. Commander Cody. Yep. That's what it's based yep. on. So, and I know you love all that stuff, <laughs> so you love this movie. But, see, that's like, <laughs> I feel like we having the same discussion again, because I'll just, like, bring up the same points. Because, mm-hmm. like, you watched it just yesterday, right? <laughs> yeah. And I watched it, like, two days ago just to rewatch. And is this I was one? watching it, and I was like, 
I didn't really have to rewatch. Yeah, because this is one like you revisit periodically, right? Like I hadn't seen it in like years and years and years. I feel like I've known it for so long too. Like it was in '91. I feel like I saw it in the theaters. I've been like, yeah, I feel like like we did. You would have been nine. I would have been eleven. I I remember, and I remember I had books about it. Yep. Like a magazine that had like the making of. <laughs> yeah. So it's just been in my life forever. Yeah. And it's since become like a real cult classic. Yeah, I think I was gonna say it didn't I think, totally bomb, but right. it, it's definitely built up more of a cult. Yeah, form. I was gonna say I think people like it. You yeah, know they do. I mean? Even it, critically, it was successful. I actually, I actually think it might be just a little too like nice and gentle and sweet. To, yeah. To to really have that kind of fervent cult following that a lot of cult movies have it's just kind of too nice yes that's not a that's not necessarily a knock on the film but i think that that maybe is why it's not it's not more beloved in a weird i don't i can't quite explain that but i i think that might have something with it and and honestly it might be a little part of why i don't love it i like it a lot i might be a little bit why i I don't admire it a lot but it's it's a little too it's a disney movie it's rated it's funny i watched it on i streamed on disney plus and it's like pg some scenes of smoking (laughs) so it's a very this is a so you had to log into the adult yeah yeah so this is this is a true family film and that's not a knock you know but in terms of my own personal preference i i might have been able to might have stood a little bit more. I mean, even Indiana Jones more, shoots people. Exactly, little little more grit in there would have been nice for me. But that's personally. not even what it was setting out to be. No, like not how at many all. people get beheaded in the old Commander Cody right, short scene right. too? Yeah, so no, it, it was. It's just, not like it fails for lack of trying. I, I, it really doesn't fail at all. This yeah. is a. This no, is I, a, I I think I know what you're saying too. But um, a lot of the problem I had <laughs> when I was saying it's overcomplicated. I was thinking more of like after that stuff happens because mm-hmm. like there's a reason why those Republic serials are the length they are. Oh yeah, yeah. And they get soap opery and like it definitely ends. Like the hero dies at the end or he goes off a cliff, but then the next episode it's like, oh he was actually alive. He, right. he was like like all that soap opera stuff. Like there's a reason why it's that length, and I feel like they kind of there's a whole lot in this movie, and in the middle section I don't think it adds up to a lot. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to watch it. Like, in terms of motivation, character motivation, stuff like that, it works. But to me, like, a lot of the middle part felt unnecessary. And then you see, like, it's, like, two hours long, I think, too. And like, well, that would be an easy decision. Like, chop out some yeah. of the middle section. Well, I agree with you there. Because um, when I when I was uh, queuing up to stream it, I'm like, I, be- I bet this is an hour and a half movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah. I'm on record as my favorite runtime. And I was a little it su- is like two hours. And right? I was a little surprised. It's a two hour movie. I'm like, oh, well, it's two hours. But I'm yeah. like, but I'm like, all right, I know this is a good movie, so well, well that's fine. It surprised me a little. You're like, well, Batman but I was think good. I think you're right. I think it probably should have been a 90 minute movie at about the part where all the characters kind of start coming together and like um ne- she and neville are at the fancy restaurant that she'd always wanted cliff yes. to take her to and then cliff is that's there that's actually what i was thinking i'm mean, like once i started to, to kind of check out a l- i might have glanced at my phone a few times yeah, during that yeah. part you know yeah. um they they never lose it they bring it all together at the end everything mm-hmm. ties up yeah these are minor everyone gets their arc it's it's ends up being satisfying at the end um but also like, but I do think it's a little long. It's a little. It, they could have tightened it up a bit. And al- and also like those Repu- uh, Republic <clears throat> serials um, kind of hinge on the action. This is like a little light. It's, it's a good action movie, but the action is a little sparse. A little light, yeah. So the it, it's good. There's some kind of wonkier, like some of the special. It's like when we were watching uh, the mask. Actually, we didn't do the mask for this. One one of our podcasts. Yeah, 
it's like some of that stuff holds up. Some of it is like, I can't believe they did that in 94. Mm. And I was kind of having the same reaction with this one. I was like, wow, a lot of that stuff looks really good. More of the practical stuff. Some of it was like, ooh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there wasn't anything so egregiously bad that I was like, oh, that no, did not age well. It was like, it was definitely like, oh, yeah, that. It kind of comes across as dated a little it's bit. It's dated yeah. a little bit. But there, there wasn't anything too bad, yeah. though. No, like, for the most part, it works. I'm just saying, like. It didn't have it didn't hit those action points like yeah. set pieces often enough. Like one action scene is just him just like flying through the ceiling. Yeah. You know, it's like they qualify that as action, yeah. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's funny. It's it like could have I, had like maybe one more big set piece. Yeah, it's funny. It's like I the things I didn't like about it, it's like I almost don't want to criticize because you know if they made it today, they'd be like, We gotta punch this up and add a funnier character a little bit more like I just heard some interview with Joe know. Johnson saying like Right. He's like, I don't want there to be another one. Right. So <laughs> it's like I, I appreciate He's like, I'm just picturing the the right. modern one. Today. So I appreciate that. It is a little bit kind of slower, it's kinda of old fashioned, it's a genuine yeah. family film. I appreciate that about it. But I guess I also have to admit to being something of a product of my time and like yeah, it probably does need to be punched up a little it's bit. It's like a throwback <laughs> to those movies, like Warts and All. Right, but like maybe it carries they carries some of those same yeah, problems. Maybe they threw it back a little too far or something. <laughs> <laughs> but just a little, just a little. Like I most. Well, I was thinking about this, like, like um, how I kind of wish more movies were set in like a specific time period. Right. And I don't know why. I just think it works really well, or it's a good thing to add. Yeah. Because I was thinking about like why Indiana Jones works. It's almost like you. Um, write yourself into like not a corner but you give yourself like parameters so you can only use yeah and it's like well why don't they just um use a cell phone at this right. point or whatever blah 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 or you also use it like they just literally take everything involved in 1939 oh, california movie, really did yeah it did but it's not it didn't feel cheap it, like it felt fun it felt like yeah. genuine and i know dave stevens the late comic book um artist who did the, the comic he, he just loves that shit you know oh, like, yeah. that's why he made this comic you like, could tell the people making it did you? yeah it, did it does it does seem genuine it doesn't seem cynical it doesn't like if they made it now there'd be references that the the audience would make oh, yeah. the audience feel superior, and it's it just yeah, it was genuine love for these old actors. Well, this is and this is what I always like about, or this is how you can always tell that it's like a really talented crew behind it too. It's like you find out, you know, like the cut scenes and the deleted scenes and whatnot. Whenever I see those on DVDs, I'm always like, yeah, that there was a reason why that was cut. Mm-hmm. Like it was unnecessary, and like I was saying, this movie's too long, so I understand yeah. it. Yeah, um, but I was listening to something with uh, Joe Johnston about. It's not something they filmed, but they wrote it into the movie, and then they realized, like, yeah, we have too big of a movie here. We kind of have to shave some stuff off. But one scene I thought was really clever, and I was like, God, that would fit in perfectly, and they didn't even use it. It was, he got, like, he was flying over, like, Chinese, the Grauman's Chinese Theater or Mm -hmm. whatever, and he, like, crashes for some reason into, like, the cement where they're signing the Mm -hmm. hands, and then he, like, his helmet, like, crashes into the cement, and then he, like, takes off again, and someone walks by and writes, like, Rocketeer in the ah. cement. I was like, that would have fit perfectly in this movie. It and it's just like, there's another perfect example. Yeah. Like, of course he meets Howard Hughes. Of course, like, there's Nazis in it. Of course. Of course there's an Errol Flynn character. Yes. Like, all the, of course there's a Betty Page equivalent. Yeah. Like, all these things. There's a Zeppelin. 
guy crashes into the Hollywood land yeah, side, yep, eliminates land, which that's probably why they didn't do the Chinese theater. It's yeah. like, oh, can't do that twice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's just a total... But, Even but, though when he was explaining that, I was like, God, that would fit so perfectly in the movie. I yeah. mean, I get why they would cut but, it out, and it's too. Like, but. It's like the kind of things now you would call, like, oh, Easter eggs or references, which is, like, so annoying in modern <laughs> yes. movies. But it, it again, it's like... It's coming from a genuine place of just yeah. like the filmmakers love this stuff. Dave Stevens was a producer, not a writer on this, um, I think. Yeah, no. But um, well, this was made over like, or not made. It was another like uh, development hell yeah. movies. Because again, I feel like we're going to repeat some of the yeah. other ones we've had because they've all had the same problem. The rights had been bought like ten years earlier. Like you could literally replace the Dick Tracy conversation with this one. Like, they had the rights 10 years earlier. They've been writing it, rewriting it over and over and over again. Batman comes along. Right. And they're like, what we else should, do we have? We should call this it series, like, book. the children of Batman. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, like... It is literally the same story yeah. with Dick Tracy and with the Shadow and the Rocketeer. It just so happens that this one worked. Yeah. You know? Well, you know what's interesting to me, and what I was also thinking about when we watched this, is, like, if you look at this, this kind of, like, proto-hero era, like... If you look at, like, which properties got made into movies, it's weird. Like, you, you wonder, like, how, like, I, like, I understand they eventually got the green light because of Batman, but mm-hmm. why did these properties even get picked up in the first place over other ones? Because it's not like what would happen today is, like, you'd look at comics or you'd look at video games or you'd look at whatever and be like, what's the hot, hottest thing? Right. The and Rock those wasn't end the up hottest becoming thing. movies. It's like this weird, it's like there was the Phantom, the Shadow, the oh, Rocketeer. Yeah, the um, eventually, Men in Black, like these. That was a good one too. Right, but like these weird, like obscure, as a comic book fan, stuff that I hadn't heard of. Right. But that were comic books. You're like, how are these deals happening? I almost prefer that. I do. I too. wish more obscure. But doesn't shit it make you make. wonder, like, what's the story? Like, 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 did all these people just happen to have the, connections the story to I, Hollywood people? I or? bet the story is that there's a million of them that we don't know about. Right. I think these are just the ones that happen to pop up. But isn't it weird that like like Spider Man wouldn't have been like the next one after Batman or like Wonder Woman or like you know what I'm saying? It's just it's all this weird like I don't know. I, I think it's like stuff that seems obvious now. I yeah I guess seem obvious then. I get I Even guess though, yeah the way you say that like Spider Man. I was just yeah. thinking about that when I watched this. Like if you think about those movies, like what are they? It's like they're it's never even like Marvel and DC comics. It's always no. like. More like, often, it's like not. I think Rocketeer had many different publishers, and like Men in Black was published by a small company that eventually was bought by Marvel, but it wasn't really originally a Marvel comic. Yeah. And just all this weird like stuff. I, I actually think with the Rocketeer, it's well, number one, I know it's because Joe Johnston wanted to do this one, right? Because he made Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, right? And that was a huge success. And he was like, well, they, they just wanted to make sequels to that movie, yeah. And he was like, uh, he didn't want to do any of that stuff. But he found out that Disney owned the rights to Rocketeer that they had bought like 10 yeah. years ago or whatever. And it is an appealing property. It you, is. You well, can point to things like Indiana Jones, and it's a, very, it's a movie for people who love movies. But also, that's the other reason, too. It's like, number one, I know Joe Johnston picked it because he was into that sort of stuff, too, because he was like a special effects. Yeah. He like designed uh, the like spaceships in the original Star Wars. Oh, like he cool. worked on Star Wars. Like, how's that on your resume? That's right. Fucking, I designed right. the spaceships. Right. And, um, but so I know he specifically wanted that. Like they offered him other stuff, and that's the one that he wanted. Um, but then I also know like it's pretty streamlined. Like it's pretty fully formed the way it is. Yeah. Whereas the shadow, that's not like the comics. Right. That they kind of had to just like graft onto a Batman story. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's like 
this is not a like this is not Batman was successful. Let's recreate that. Right. This is like here's another comic book that's already fully formed. Right. Well, and then idea. and then also maybe like the Rocketeer is like sort of a superhero, but not really. Like yeah. so maybe some of the just more overt superheroes were like just people didn't really Hollywood didn't really understand those yet, and also yeah. like the special effects maybe weren't there. So maybe it's like they had to look at like the kind of outer weirder stuff to be. Yeah, like, maybe. You know, I, yeah, I, I mean, just, I guess I, I was just see. wondering about that, like how because the first big like Marvel movie was like Blade. And even that is like, yeah, off in a corner. Like that's not like a main Marvel character. You know what I mean? It's, it's all this weird like side stuff. Maybe they just thought superheroes weren't going to be big business or they wouldn't be able to pull them off or the producers just didn't understand that material. And they might have been at a point where it's like uh, superhero movies are just like they're not going to work. So fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> like, but like, there's we'll something in comics. The there's something in comics that that maybe it's worth going after or something. Maybe. Yeah, I, I think this one was picked because it, it was already just like a fully formed. Yeah. Idea. Even though like the it took them a while to put the script together. Well, it was time well spent. The script is probably the the best thing about this mm-hmm. movie. It's it's well it's also well cast right down the middle. Oh yeah, you know it's what got I mean. A great, like, like, like it's um, kind of perfectly cast. But I would also say it doesn't have like it, it also could use maybe like a Robert Downey Jr. type. Like you know what? Like the main guy is yeah. like he's perfectly cast as that character, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like a dull character. Yeah, they're all kind of like almost character actors. A hundred percent. I agree. Yeah, they're types. Yeah, and it was almost. Um, uh, Joe Johnson said the next person down the line that they were going to pick was Bill Paxton. And I was like, I don't know if I could picture that. Yeah. They just said like he wasn't the type. But I think this is the problem. This is where um, I make the comparison to, um, what the fuck's his name, Martin Campbell, the guy that did um, The Mask of Zorro. Okay. He's a very good like technical director. And this is the other. This is the reason why I thought maybe you wouldn't like this one. Yeah. It's because he's kind of like a very technically kind of cold. Yeah. He knows how to put the movie together. Yeah. And I really think Joe Johnston is like that. Cause yeah. Because in interviews, he, it's weird because he almost seems disinterested in being a filmmaker. Right. Where, I don't think, I mean, I think he, he's interested in it, but he's very like, oh, I don't watch my films after they come out. And he cast um, uh, Bill Campbell because he looked the part. Yeah. But and he kept saying that over and over again. Right. Like, he looked exactly like the guy in the... Film. Right. I was like, okay, I get... And, Joe Johnston did like storyboards for like Raiders of the Lost Ark and uh, I think Star maybe not Star Wars but you could tell like this is really well shot movie mm-hmm. but that I think that's just because like it was all perfectly planned out to begin with mm-hmm. and you kind of have to be with special effects scenes and stuff like that but I don't think Joe Johnston's going to make like a, a character piece where it's like two people sitting in a room you know having right. an inter- like a dramatic scene together right. even though they work in this movie. But I think it might be just, you know, and, and if And if he was going to have a scene like that in the movie, he maybe wouldn't know, be interested in, like, finding the right actor to bring a spark to those scenes. Right. So I think that doesn't surprise me that you said that about him and the Mask of Zorro director, because I do think that is missing in this yeah. a little bit. So, like, it is perfectly cast as it is. I do think it was, like, there. I almost thought, like, God, what is this missing? Does it need, like, a funny character? Does it need, like, it, it is missing that spark of humanity a yeah. little bit. Like, everyone does a good job, but nobody really stands out. You know, it's missing that kind of person. Yeah. Another director that's like that, very technical and very cold when it comes to actors, is George Lucas, right? But he got lucky in that he just happened to cast Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher, right. who had this great dynamic with Mark Hamill and the other actors in that movie. And Star Wars was so groundbreaking for other reasons that it really worked, you mm-hmm. know? But I think he could have just as easily cast 
like dull people and he wouldn't have cared. Oh, yeah. Well, Tom Selleck was almost. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when you said like they were thinking Bill Paxton, I'm like, well, that would have added like a little something, you know, to it. Yeah. But (laughs) But maybe it would have been wrong, you know, like, I don't know. know. But that that was my reaction to it. It's like it technically beautifully put together. And there is a warmth to the movie just in the way it's shot and the tone of it. That's kind of like like a family friendly. Yeah. It is missing that human element a a little bit, a little bit. I thought that was going to be your criticism, too, because like. I, I absolutely love it, but I was trying to, like, remove myself from it a right. little bit. Like, okay, I don't want to just say, like, I just love it all around. Yeah. And I'm trying to honestly look at it. And then I was hearing interviews with Joe Johnson. I think I heard, like, two different ones. And it did seem like he's, like, not – I don't want to say he's not interested in being a filmmaker, but he's not, like, interested – well, maybe like he's, the process. Yeah, and that's fine. That's part oh, of yeah. it. You know, there's there's directors who are like actors, directors, yeah. and there's directors. No, I'm, who are I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, and I think that. Actually, but I think you can see that it that. works really well when it's like planned out. I just have a feeling, and I don't know, but I think because the comic was so fully formed already, right? And Joe Johnston works with storyboards, right? I think like if you do, if you have it perfectly planned out like that, because I was thinking. He seems really uninterested in kind of making these movies, but he makes a lot of good movies. Right. So what is the disconnect there? Right. And I think that's it. I think he just, like, plans it out. And even him saying, like, I don't watch any of my movies right. when they come out. Like, when I when I'm, the movie comes out, because I think he even said about The Rocketeer, he's like, oh, well, that didn't really work, so let's go on. Let's try something else. Yeah. Like, it's just a weird... He's a craftsman. Yeah. He's a craft guy. He is very much like... he. Well, he came from like the special effects sure. stuff, so yeah. he's more interested in that. Yeah. So, I know that is part of that I... There was something kind of like missing. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking about The Mask of Zorro, like, when you said it's like technically cold. I'm like, this kind of has the same problem. Yeah. It, it, I did think of that movie when I watched it. So yeah. I was like, oh, this is another kind of one of those Jordan movies that's kind of like... <laughs> It's yeah. very like there's something. This very, is like, much better. Yeah, well, and I thought Mesozoro was good too, but yeah, for me, there's just, it's just it is yeah. missing that spark, that grit of something. Yeah, um, I can see that. Yeah, what did you think of the score? Is it as James Horner? Oh, that was great. You're not crazy about that? I, again, I I would say about the score myself. the same thing that I feel about the movie is that like there's is it has a warmth. It's kind of like perfect for this kind of movie yeah but it, it's almost too like cliched hollywood really fun movie yeah like when um they they were trying out the jetpack for the first time i think i'm like the dummy maybe or no yeah. he wore it for the first oh, time and he ended he... up in the pond and it's like do it and it ended like and the end of it was like dun dun Done. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I agree. Okay, okay. <laughs> You're right because I I do think about uh, more in moments like that, like yeah. throughout the soundtrack. I'm thinking more of just like his score, his theme. Okay. Like I think that is a great. Yeah, there. Song. You're right. The rock. The, the rocketeer. Yeah, the rocketeer kind of theme is good. And that is that is very like distinct you know like i hear that it's like a raiders of the lost ark thing yeah but you're right in terms of like the cueing the goofy like that's part of it that didn't work too like it was humor it was a little heavy-handed and it just seemed like we're the the humor was like aiming yeah Yeah. we're we're making like a fun kind of cozy movie and for for me it was just a little too cozy and for (laughs) me the the score was a part of that but this is really kind of edging into preference more than make me talk about quality when you say that james horner is hugely hugely talented oh yeah he's been around forever this movie is beautifully put together it is well cast everyone does a good job mm-hmm. everything works but yeah, yeah that, that part of it i definitely can 
See, when, I mean, you, when you say that, we're thinking about, like, different things. Like, I 100% agree with that. Like, yeah. that's not anything. That's something that really puts me off, too. Right. When it's like characters are walking around, it's like, boop, 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 right. boom. And there were moments like oh, that yeah. in this movie. That To me, that seems more like he's just, like, phoning it in. Yeah. But, like, the score that he made for, like, the just, like, the theme the, song. The that, Rocketeer that, theme. That plays I'll and replays yeah. throughout the movie. I think that's that good. is great. Yeah, that's true. Like, I think that is very memorable. Yeah, that's it, true. it might be because I've been stuck with it for a yeah. long time. But no, that's true. That's, that's, I'll give so you So that's, that's what I was thinking of. But, I, yeah, you're right. <laughs> At times, it's a little heavy-handed, and for uh, it, me, it off-putting. feels phoned in and very much like really trying to sell this to kids. Yeah, like, yeah, just kids' movies it, need that. But and I mean, this has smoking in it. This is clearly not a kids <laughs> right. movie. Right? It was PG. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it. Um, yeah, it just had a. Li- it's a little. T- it was a little too much of a Disney movie. Just a yeah. little bit for me. But again, that's a mi- that's a minor gripe, and and in a way that is refreshing. But yeah. You know, I like <laughs> tend to like a little bit more grit in my yeah so. yeah. I could have used it, I guess. But um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else there is to say about it. Really, it's, it's, it's so much of it just kind of worked. Um, I don't know what else. Um, <laughs> now I'm out of things to say about it. It's funny when I first saw it, like I didn't know who Betty Page was. Who she's more from the '50s though, right? Like she's not a. You mean 1930s. In the character? I mean, yeah, she's, like she's not that, playing the Betty real, Page. I know, but she's supposed to be. She, that character is based on Betty Page. Yeah, like, she's not from that era. Right, think. but that's another obsession of Dave Stevens right, is right. Betty Page. So he drew the, the love interest character to look like Betty Page, and she's that type. And the right. actress, of course, then looks like her. Yeah, um, I think it was some copyright thing where they couldn't actually... They wanted to even name her Betty in the movie, but she's a different character. Yeah, see, I remembered basically. I remembered it as her name was Betty. Yeah, no, it's, it's Jenny in the movie. Yeah, it's Jenny. It's, they should have just called it, called it Betty. <laughs> they um, couldn't, though. They wanted to. They couldn't. That's, it, was that's some, inter- yeah, that's, it was some stupid legal That's interesting, thing. yeah. So you've got both. But again, there's another thing that they use. It's not exactly from that era, but like pin-up Warbird girls. Oh, yeah. You know, like... It, has that yeah betty like, page, of course that's his love yeah betty interest. page it wasn't around it wasn't like betty page in like 1930 yeah no not. but she fits into that that's kind of pop cultural stew that right, right but it's funny when i was a kid like i didn't know who betty page was i didn't know who rondo hatton was i probably didn't know who howard well maybe when i was 11 i knew who howard hughes was you know what i mean but all this stuff was like very vague and then it's like you later like, but see like that's why i think um and when I talk about Simpsons, I mean like the first ten years of Simpsons. Right. <laughs> I'm not even talking about the majority of it now. Right. But a lot of those jokes, I had no idea they were funny. But they weren't. But they work because the writers were like amusing themselves, and right. they were smart enough to know like this is a joke, and it works, it works. And that is the problem with movies now, is that the joke needs to be understood by everybody. Hence the Easter egg with the glowing Easter eggs right. everywhere. Right. This was you don't need to know who Rondo Hatton was. Right. You don't need to know who Betty Page was. Right. Cliff's girlfriend is a pinup girl. Right. You find that out later, it's like, oh, wow, that is, like, years later you find out, oh, it's based on Betty Page. Oh, yeah, I get that. Oh, that's cool. And and it adds a little something to it, but it doesn't seem like something was missing if you didn't have it. Yeah, exactly. Like, even, like... You don't feel like you're missing something. Even, like, the most superfluous, like... Easter egg or, or, or like references like W.C. Fields. Mm-hmm. They run into W.C. Fields as a stage there. There's no real reason for him to be in the movie, but he's there as ambience and nuance. But even that doesn't seem superfluous. Like, okay, that was a funny little scene and he fits perfectly in there and it, it yeah. didn't seem like... And if you don't know who W.C. Fields is, which I probably didn't when I was 11, it's like, that works. It's totally yeah, it fine. It doesn't matter. You know? Nice, funny <laughs> little scene with this like eccentric, you know, actor. And, yeah. 
Yeah, it uh, it all it all it the uh, the genuineness of this movie is what I think is missing from a lot of today's like superhero movies, which are a lot more cynical, a lot more like focus tested mm-hmm. and trying to be all things to all people. This was like That's a this was a movie that was trying to be a, a you know family friendly crowd pleaser for sure, mm-hmm. but it was like you know we have a particular story to tell you know, and if you get these references, great. But you don't need to. It's okay if you don't, you know. It's and I had remembered, like, uh, thinking about the script, <clears throat> I th- he's uncredited, but I had remembered for a long time that uh, Frank Darabont mm. wrote uh, the vast majority of this movie. Oh, really? But he's, like, not yeah. credited anywhere. That's but, th- but then I couldn't find that fact later on. Like, I was trying to look it up. Maybe you it's hard to it. Find- no, he did. <laughs> I don't. He didn't write like the majority of it, but he did write on. Okay, because I did find interviews with it later. Um, it's just it's hard to find an uncredited writer. You know, right. what I mean, like how do I find the credit right. for that? Right. But apparently he did. So I think like that he's like a script doctor too. So yep. I think maybe that's part of it. Why yeah. it's so tight? Yeah, it is. It, it is. wasn't just like a a gun for hire. What screenwriters do we have? Like I, I think the good Disney movies know like how to genuinely put the movie together like yeah. they know what it needs yeah the script really is the star as i said like a few times because like everything does tell you like with the chewing gum on oh, that's great as being a continuing there's another thing piece. that i noticed um uh, the gum i did notice of course which is great it was like the opening scene that he puts it on the yeah. plane and then that ends up being the how he defeats off. the bad guy at the yeah it's like super but there's so much more to it even even beyond that too because i even noticed something recently when i watched it two days ago which i didn't pick up on so he puts the gum on the plane for good luck. PV at the very beginning, PV takes it off. Yep. So then now he's got bad luck. So now the plane crashes. Yep. So then he it gets like winged with a, a bullet, so it's leaking. He, but he puts the gum a back rocket. on it for good luck, and then that comes in play later. But there's another scene where he goes to Jenny's apartment, and he's like about to go in, and he takes his gum out and he sticks it on the like outside of her mm. building. It's like, I never even noticed that before. Mm-hmm. That's so good though. But right. for good luck, he's going on the date. He puts right. it on there. I was like, wow, I never. <laughs> and maybe it could have been even like as naughty as the movie got. Like he wanted to get lucky that day. You know, yeah. like well, like, I honestly, I was kind of thinking yeah. that, but it's not like, right, o- but it's what not a, overt. It's subtle. But what know? a perfect kind of like little wholesome. Little yeah. And I, I've seen it so many times and I did just pick up on that. Yeah. Like the last time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's so good. And like, yeah. And everyone kind of had an arc. Like, you know, Jenny was the aspiring actress, mm-hmm. you know, and she, um, she ends up getting kidnapped and the, by Neville Sinclair and he tries to seduce her and it seems like she's kind of being seduced. She's but she's, acting. She's acting. She's actually fooling him. She actually is a good actress, you know, and she kind yes. of proved it and then she gets one over on him and she says, I finally got to play a scene with Neville Sinclair. I'm like, what fucking clever that is. You and know, she like, zips up her dress. I was like, fuck yeah. Yeah, like really kind of like perfect <laughs> little arc and there were like little, little a lot mm-hmm. of little bits like that in the movie. So great script, beautifully shot, um, well cast, um, just need a little little punch for me. <laughs> it's just, it's not the kind of movie that I get excited about. Yeah, I guess yeah. I put it that way. You know. Yeah. Um, I don't know the the other things I want to talk about are just like little. Well, throw them throw them in there. We've got time before we debut our new segment. Do we? Okay. Um, this is just stupid, like just <clears throat> action related stuff or like things that are unique to this hero. I really like how quickly he can change into the Rocketeer. Mm-hmm. If you actually pay attention to it, and I've liked this like all the time, like ever since I first started watching it, it's kind of funny like how quickly he can change into it. And I think they're actually playing with it. Okay. Because like, he'll walk behind a... 
Like I can't even think of a specific example, but he'll like he'll go up into the attic, and then like PV comes up two seconds later, and he's, and he's the got the rocket on him. Right. I'm like, I love that. I just uh-huh. love how like a little touch, like, <laughs> yeah. And he has to like hide it if he goes undercover because he's trying to be like a spy, right? But he can't be near it all the time. I don't know. It's 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 cool in a way that separates him from other heroes. Mm-hmm. You know? That's why I think like the idea is so fully formed already. It's like yeah. almost. Like, I don't want to take credit away from the writers, because I think it is a good script, but almost in a way where it kind of writes itself. Yeah. And they leave room to put in stuff like that. Yeah. Like, stuff like the gum, or yep. stuff like... Well, that's what you can do How, when how you... can we get him to change in a way that's not boring? Yeah, you know? well, that's what you can do when you have, like, real, fully formed, fully written characters, yeah. which will have, like, full lives, you Once know? that stuff's in place, you can kind of you play can, around Yeah, you, then you can let them bounce off each other, yeah. and those connections do start to so happen. So it's little stuff like that that I kind of yeah. love to revisit and yeah. stuff. Because yeah. I used to think, like, oh, that's really dumb. Like, he, how the fuck could he do that? But they do it so often in the movie that I'm like, oh, they, they're doing they're this on purpose. It, yeah. yeah. And it's cool. Yeah. I, I didn't even notice that, really. <laughs> I also like that the movie just, it, it was, like, one story and it ended. Yeah. You know, like, like he didn't, like. Oh, did you notice the ending was, like, kind of, uh, I mean, it's not similar to this movie because it came out later, but it ends the same way that The Last Jedi does. Remember it was, like, the little kid who picks up the broom? To like mm. become the jet a Jedi, I forgot that's how the last Jedi ended. Yeah, <laughs> that's why the Rocketeer is like two in my brain. Because yeah. as soon as I saw that, <laughs> it's like, oh, I was like, like that's exactly like the Rocketeer. <laughs> but I did. I like like at one point he says like, okay, I just want to like because he he just got the rocket and he wanted to use it to like be famous and make money and yep. then like and then like by the end he's like, okay, I just want to rescue Jenny because well, he actually is on the side of the villains almost because he's stealing it right and then he's like i well well, well, he has his own separate motivation right right right. the government has the motivation he has but by the end at one point in the movie he's like i wish i had never seen this thing i just want to rescue jenny and then we're done and and indeed the rocket is destroyed at the end and the movie ends it's like happily ever after of course there is the hint that they have the blueprints that she brings to pv so like and pv is the one that modified it that made it workable in the first place. Right. Like, he kind of completed the invention. So like, oh, yeah. He, yeah, he yeah. so it's like, okay, so it's a, there's a door open if we want to do the Rocketeer 2. But but it really just was its own kind of contained yeah. film. That's another thing I miss about, like, this modern era of, like, superhero movies. Like, everything's just a piece of this ongoing. Yeah. Everything's planned it's as, just like, content. a franchise. You know yeah. what I mean? Whereas this is just, like, a nice beginning, middle, end story. So. Yeah, but like, it's like the superhero movies now have kind of devolved into just the... It's an ongoing it's like an inf- soap opera. Well, it, it is. It's like a constantly playing... It's just like an information delivery system. Yeah. Like, it's just like you're downloading the information to your brain. Right. Was it shot well? It's like... doesn't matter. Like, the last thing that people worry about is the quality of the movie. Right. At, like, that is the very last thing on the list. Right. And, like... Uh, I don't want to get a, a big tangent on super. Yeah, we could go because, into a whole because uh, they always do that anyway. But yeah. yeah, all right. But this is a but good I, one. I agree. This but is this very is fully one. formed. Like, and they brought complete. and they brought Johnston back to do a Marvel movie. He did the first, at least the first. Oh, that's Captain, right. They did yep. the first Captain America, right? Which, yep. which kind of a perfect match. Yeah, so. totally from that same era, yep. kind of. Like, yep. so yeah, that makes sense. So, so yeah, the Rocketeer. Um, I guess I'd you know pick it up on a dumpster dive. I like it. I I definitely like. I would not be surprised if people have this um, in their favorite movies. Yeah. For my personal tastes, it's not quite as high in my own pantheon as I think it probably is in yours. But this is a good movie. If you every, seen every it time for a while, I watch go ahead it, and revisit it. Every time I watch it, I'm not I'm not like oh that kind of wore off a little bit. Like I said two days ago, I watched it and I've 
watched it in 91. Yeah. I can pick out things, like I mentioned, that didn't work, like trying to be objective about it, but for the most, like, it still holds up, I think. Yeah. Like, wonky things like special effects, like... Yeah, those aren't bad. It just comes with the territory yeah. anyway. Yeah. It's just made in the time it's... But even that's kind of a, charming. It's, its own thing, too. Yeah, it's kind of charming. It's yeah. like, in the Commander Cody shirts, you can see, like, strings. Right. Does that, that's like, okay. loosen, or right. does that lessen the appeal of it? Right. No, it's kind of part of the charm, actually. Right. So, right. yeah, I love it. Yeah. There, there is again. A, I'm going to watch it tonight. There is an indefinable, like, Jordan quality about this movie. <laughs> like, I can't quite say something about your, like, aesthetic. I'm I like, was oh, yeah, thinking Jordan you were going to say the exact same thing that you said about Mask of Zorro. Yeah. That one I was more bored by. Okay. I don't even know if it's worse, but I was just for whatever okay. reason. I was, yeah, there's something kind of boring about those kind of movies. <laughs> but then I was listening to Joe Johnson, and I was like, oh, that's that's <laughs> it. Yeah. Because so he did the third Jurassic Park movie, too, and I, I read mm. that he was like brought, I think I still haven't seen that. He brought in, it's actually, it's pretty good. Yeah. That's what I mean, like he's removed from it almost, or he's not removed, but he's like. He's a craftsman, he's a technical guy. Yeah, he's, he, he technically like, he puts, like puts, it puts it together perfectly was, and then moves on. There was like another director doing it, and then Spielberg was like, oh, this is not, right. like, this isn't working. Right. And he brings in Joe Johnston, and Joe just like. They rewrite it, he shoots the thing, and it's yeah. done. Yeah. I mean, that's not a great movie, but he's like the utility guy yeah. that you bring yep. in. It's like, yep. yeah. it's like, well, we, it's like Ron Howard with Solo. Right. Like, we need someone who can just literally come in, shoot these scenes. Right. That's why Joe Johnson, I think, made a good Marvel director with oh, yeah. Captain America, because it's like, we just need this guy right. to shoot these scenes and get it done. Right. But Captain America isn't Guardians of the Galaxy. It isn't yeah. Thor, the, the good Thor movie. You know what I mean? He, he's missing. <laughs> Ragnarok. He, yeah, there you go. He's missing that kind of visionary kind of yes. like spark that for yes. me would elevate the material. No one's going to watch the movie and be like, oh, this is a Joe Johnston movie. Right. So that's what I think is missing from right. a lot of the, like, the yep. good stuff. Yep. And, that, and that's what I get excited about. Yeah. I like the auteurs. I, I, I can't like even argue against that. It's, it's just going to be like a personal taste yeah. thing. But it, it all came together in this movie. Super solid. Mm. Um, I do think it's a really good script. Yeah, my, a sol- amazing script. My, my gripes are minor. So definitely check out the rock here. Do be aware there are some scenes of smoking. <laughs> Smoking? I actually don't even remember if there was. There must have been. Neville Sinclair was smoking. Somebody, that must have been exploded. it. Somebody, he was good. He was another. Oh, yeah. I mean, the whole cast was great. So. Yeah, they're all like character actors, yeah. but, you know, that's perfect what, That's for what us. we needed. Yeah, that's kind of what they needed for us. So. Yeah. yeah, great movie. Um, all right, can we debut our new segment? Sure. Unless you have anything else to say about The Rocketeer. Are we good on time? Oh, yeah. All right, so... Uh, this is kind of an evolution. This is usually the part of the show where we do uh, Beyond the Dive. And this this kind of is a Beyond the Dive, but we've noticed that our Beyond the Dives often delve into comic books. Like, we talk a lot about a comic yeah. books on this show. So we, And I, I kind of run out of Beyond the Dives, to be honest. Yeah, so, it, it was so, going to be like a way to just like purge all these other things right. that you've been thinking about. Right. But then I kind of ran out of ideas. Well, then like and the then pressure, <laughs> then like the pressure is on. Yeah, like I have yeah, to yeah. think of something for the Beyond the Dive. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you ask me now, I could come up with something on the spot. Yeah. But, but we're both big comics fans, so we thought, like, why don't we do like a little comics corner? Yeah. Um, and this might be, well, if this is a disaster, it might be a one-time thing. But maybe a, a semi-regular thing, or we'll we'll just kind of see how it goes. But um, I, it would have made a lot of sense to talk about the Rocketeer comic book. <laughs> For yes. for this first uh, day, did. for this debut segment, but it's, yeah. Well, let me let me say one thing about the Rocketeer comic. Oh book. yeah, please. It's good. Okay. It is not just like a throwaway comic. 
it's very well written, well drawn. It's it's a good comic, so I'll say that. I need to read the Rocketeer because I I know you. There's not a lot of it. No, because there, there's I not saw... a lot of Dave Stevens comic art at all. Like he was. Oh really? Famous. I don't even know yeah. anything else. Like he does. was famously slow. But I bought like some Rocketeer collection because I saw it online. Right. Like, it was like twenty bucks that's or whatever. Probably everything. I got it. And it's it's like yeah, and I that's mean, probably it. I know this Dave's. is an audio podcast, but I'm putting my fingers together, yeah. making it like it's a very thin book. Yeah, that's probably all there is of the Dave yeah. Stevens. But it, but honestly, it works really well because it's like again those Commander Cody shorts where it's like they were kind of like little strips, right? And they would end, right? And like every, almost everyone ends with him like passed out on the ground, mm. <laughs> like he's knocked out. It's like, is this the end of the Rocketeer? Like yeah. it's so perfect. I gotta get yeah, I gotta read it, and I can. It's good. You should just buy it. Yeah, you can read it in like a half hour. Yeah, exactly. Or so. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah no really heavy should. lifting in terms of. I should get. It. I know there's an artist edition too, and Dave Stevens art is beautiful. Is there really? Oh yeah, it was one of the first ones. It's probably out of print now. Oh. But yeah, hot tip. So. Okay. Anyway, not that one. So we're not gonna talk about the Rocketeer comic. <laughs> uh, we're talking about um, a comic that I can't find a segue uh, from Superhero. the Rocketeer to. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, the earliest... Off-the-grid superheroes. Yeah, oddball superheroes. A little quirky. Um, so we're going to talk about um, the earliest issues of Grant Morrison's Animal Man. Um, and whenever I talk about comics, one struggle I have is, like, I never know how much context to give to people, right? Like, because comics is such an obscure thing. I know comics. I didn't really know Animal Man. And honestly, until very recently, I hadn't read any Grant Morrison. Yeah. Stuff. Well, see, you're you're a good subject because, like, we both... Well, I've been out of the comics Yeah, because we both time. loved comics when we were a kid. And, like, I never really stopped. I just went, like, deeper and deeper, deeper into it. I think I was trying to think back, too. you away for a while. When I was, like, 16, I, I, for whatever reason it was, I was just like, eh, I don't well, buy, that's yeah. That's I don't the, want to buy comic yeah, books that's, anymore. That's all my other friends. Were yeah, like, it's almost like I grew up or something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. You have people, <laughs> things, other things. I was like, oh fuck, I have a car. Yeah, you get a car and girls and things. Become <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do. But I just kept right, reading. Right. I just kept reading them. So, um, but you've recently, I feel like you've been getting more back into comics. Yeah, maybe like five years or whatever. Mm-hmm. I started like just um, uh, rebuying stuff. I don't want to be that person either. Whereas all I'm doing is just like revisiting yeah, I do my more youth. And more of that, so. But I really wanted to know, like, what was I into? Like, right. what, what hooked me in the first place, and was that stuff any good? Right. So I started going back and like rebuying like graphic novels because I would prefer just to be graphic novels. Um, I don't think that's comic book. Uh, is that normal? Yeah, <laughs> that, that's the the. I feel like I'm not a purist if I don't like. Oh no, the the like monthly 20-page comic book, that's that's the niche weird well, I, thing now. I bought a bunch it's of stuff. Graphic novels is the way to go. Okay. I just didn't know if that was, like, the big popular thing, but the real thing is... No, I don't think okay, so. Okay, good. I, think, yeah, <laughs> I just didn't want to feel like a poser. Yeah, no, you're all good. So I was buying, like, well, like the famous ones that I've read before, and I, I still remembered for the most part. I mean, uh, like, what did I buy? Like... Year Year One, Batman, yep. um, Dark Knight, obviously Watchmen, right? All the like you know the hits, yeah. The big the list of the big ones, and then I was like, what else did I have in my collection? I'm trying to remember because, like, when I moved, um, out of my parents' house, our parents' house, I didn't bring like hardly any comic books. With yeah, me. I was the I same. Regrettably, I maybe I might not have brought anything. Right. But then and then those kind of just like. Went wherever they went. Yeah, I know. I think they got Ugh. sold at the house. No. Or, like they're just gone. Yeah. And then we're like looking online. Yeah. Like, again, dumpster diving. Yep. Yep. And it's like, well, what what did I have, and what can I get for cheap? Right. So let's see. Remember, I bought the and this is actually a big comparison I have with Animal Man. Circle back around to it. 
is um, it reminded me of something I read recently, uh, The Tick. Mm-hmm. Have you gone back and revisited I haven't the revisited tick? The Tick. If you read that, and there's a really good collection, this is very similar. The Tick is a little goofier. And that's another thing. Like, there's not a lot of Ben Edlund Ticks. So yeah, I think could, I have the I whole could thing. spend an hour, and the first half hour I could read Rock Tier, and then the second half hour I could read The Tick, and then I could go make dinner. Yeah. So, perfect. I think there's... Like, <laughs> 12... Have, I know there's 12... Even on the cover, it says, like, 424 pages. Like, they use that as, like, a joke uh-huh. on the cover or whatever, but... That's a good collection. That's what I kept being reminded of. I gotta read that because I love that one. The Tick is like sillier. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, straight but... up comedy, superhero <laughs> parody. But... but it is very kind of like super, like it's almost like the non Alan Moore Watchmen. Like this is this is like the funny version of if superheroes were in reality. Yeah, it's another Watchmen it's a... takes it super serious. Right. Today. Well, Watchmen is like deadly serious, trying to like kind of break down. And, this is like and people kind of destroy make... superheroes. And, and then Ben Edlund is like, well, it's a parody, yeah, so Graham, it's like taking the piss out of it a little bit, yeah, and, but in a loving way. Yeah, Ben, Ed, you can tell Ben Edlund like, likes superheroes right. and guys and in costumes. And you can tell and, Alan Moore doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also Graham Morrison does. Like, Graham, Graham Morrison, Morrison definitely does. That's I haven't big... read a lot of his stuff, but even right away, because like, oh, yeah. we read the first five issues, yep. right? First I was kind of concerned like, if we're reading the same ones, because I didn't know like how many times it's been like reissued. Right. I didn't know if he'd done like a run and then he was gone and then came back and then people consider coming back i didn't (laughs) i had no idea right because i just randomly bought a collection because um another one that i bought uh was all-star superman and that was kind of like well that was like a a revelation to me not that i thought like it's the best thing ever written but i was like god i can't remember the last time i read a comic where i was like that's like purely original nailing the character like the Art is just perfect. Frank Quietly. Yep. Yep. And I was like, God, that is amazing. Yeah, it's excellent. Like, I, that was like the best comic I had read. Yeah. And I'm not even saying like it's the best story. Right. Because Grant Morrison's not like a super tight storyteller necessarily. Um, he's just more of like an idea guy. Just oh, like yeah. throw it all out there and see what sticks to the wall. Yeah. And I really, I love that aspect of it. Yeah. So that's why it was like, that's why I went down the Animal Man path. Mm-hmm. So then I bought that collection. Well, what, I think mine is like the first ten issues, maybe. Because mm-hmm. I think we read five. Yeah, I uh, yeah I, I have, think I'm like halfway through the book. Yeah, I have like the first two like soft cover collections, and and the first soft cover collection I have has like I think the first nine or ten issues. In okay, it. I think they just reissued them because this looks like a new. Does yeah. DC have some like black label? Yeah, is that what they call it? Yeah, I've heard of that. I don't even yeah. know what that means, yeah. but it says that on the. <laughs> yeah, this is how out of the. Yeah, because I don't think I don't think. Well, now we're we're betraying our lack of knowledge. I don't really keep up on current Marvel and DC, um, but, but I, I think 80s. I think Vertigo kind of went away. So I think Black Label is kind of their signaling of like this is for. Was, oh, was this a Vertigo this is for materials? Comic? Okay, so. Animal Man is just like, talk about Animal Man. The Animal Man is what I think of as like a proto Vertigo comic, because uh-huh. like what happened was like I was just assuming it was DC. Yeah, like like the editors at DC started poaching all this all this British talent uh-huh. who who had like Alan Moore and Neil Gaiman. Oh yeah, that, and that Morrison, part I know. Who had worked for like 2000 AD in Warrior magazine. That I gotta read. Yeah, they came over and started taking over all these DC titles, and then eventually those titles kind of became the Vertigo imprint. So, like, the early okay. issues of Animal Man and Swamp Thing are not 
were not originally published as Vertigo comics, but I think those those ones and definitely stuff like Sandman's things that came after had the Vertigo label. It became an official imprint, and they were subsequently reprinted as Vertigo okay. books. I was wondering because Superman is in too. So exactly, I was like, How long exactly. Been? Yeah, so Verti- yeah, Vertigo became less and less immersed in the regular DC universe. Okay, I just a side note is, is there a big 2080 collection, and do you have one? I have nothing. I need to get into 2080. Okay. Well, let's. This is getting too far off the beam path. <laughs> I honestly haven't even looked. Too I much made into a. It. I made a list. Um. And also, there's a new best of 2080 coming out. Okay. So I will talk after this about how to get into 2080 because I've been researching this myself. Okay. I mean, I know. I know what it is. I know. So I know it's. Not and there's a doc. Like, there's a documentary that I know too. Yeah. I haven't watched that either. Yeah. So I really like just now getting right. into well it. this is what it's i mean something where i've heard about it for right. a long time but i never really well this is what it. i mean about i don't i never know how much context to give when i'm talking about comics with people because mm-hmm. like with my comic book friends i could just say like oh yeah and early in that early vertigo era and i wouldn't have to explain anything more but like what is well, Vert- what is vertigo where did these british writers <laughs> come from like how much of this do i need to say one thing that i'm not afraid with comic books is to tell you where i don't know something right. i am not afraid to say i don't know 2080 i know it's a big thing where a lot yep. of famous uh, British I know what it is you yeah. know like I could that's essentially I could give where, you like the bullet essentially points where Vertigo came from okay yeah but I'm like I'll tell you I'm really just now getting into it I'm so. the same though I haven't read a lot of that stuff or like okay. I said I haven't read Judge Dredd I know you just got the first Judge Dredd yeah. collection like I haven't read it yet. like that's where all these guys came from so like I do want, I want to go back and read okay but stuff. Animal Man <laughs> anyway back to Animal Man okay Jesus all right so yes, I actually think that's going to be more interesting than what I have to say about the first five. Yeah, well, because I kind of feel like we should have kept going. We should have like maybe read the whole thing. Yeah. So the first five issues of Animal Man by Grant Morrison, um, Chaz Truog, and Doug Hazelwood are the artists. Okay. Chaz Truog is the penciler. Doug Hazelwood is the inker. Um, I don't Ta- know them either. Tatiana Wood is the colorist. Um, she stood out to me because she also colors the early Sandman, which I'm also reading right now. Okay. Um, I suppose I can summarize. Animal Man, since yeah. you summarized direct here. Um, I did? Yeah, didn't you? No. Oh, no, I did. Okay, you. <laughs> what is Animal Man about? You you uh, summarize it. Well, see, again, with the context, I'm not really sure where Animal Man is, because it's like, it picks up on him. He's like an off-the-grid hero. He's like yeah. a, like like a, a B-squad. B- B-list, yeah. So he, and he has kind of, he's like an Aquaman almost, where he's kind of like, got like a dumb power. Mm-hmm. But then if they treat it's kind of a cool power, well, the, what I mean is that if they treat it like seriously, and this is a perfect thing for Grant Morrison, it's like, if you actually think about it, it does come in handy and he could be like one of the most powerful heroes, right? But he can, I guess he can ab- adopt or absorb, I guess they say, uh, the powers of any animal within his vicinity. Yeah. They don't. They don't get too specific with. Yeah, it. I don't know what the range they don't. But if there's like a bird flying overhead, he can like send can out fly. his animal man powers and and he could fly for like a half hour or something like that. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. They, they do say are. something yeah, like I that. I need to get the card, the trading card. Yeah, I need to get the DC who's who. Would read so he can like man. absorb an animal's power for, and it's like, I just think it's kind of ridiculous. Like, what because, is a power, right? Like, well, what, that's what I mean. It's like have power. A bird can fly because it has wings. Right, exactly. And all of a sudden, you're just flying? <laughs> exactly. Like, a kangaroo, you can jump or something. Like, but yeah. his, So in this, like... He, I guess it is kind of stupid. The story, <laughs> the story starts... But that's the point. It starts out where he's already... He exists in the world already. Yep. But he's kind of been retired, I think. Yeah, like semi-retired. He has he's got, like, a wife and two kids. Yeah, he hasn't really been active as Animal Man. I think he reads an entry for himself in, like, a kind of who's who of superheroes. 
and it oh, said yeah. like he's presumed, presumed retired. Presumed right. retired. That was a funny he's bit. Like, oh no, I'm not really retired. <laughs> I just yeah, he was like looking up in the superhero glossary about the villain. Yeah, and then like he goes, and I had to check out the entry of uh, what it said about me. I was like, that is a really funny thing to add. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's like, I think it, this is basically like he's coming out of retirement. Yeah, he, he's trying to. Yep. I guess he's like a stuntman. I didn't know any of this. Oh yeah, that's he's, right. They, they mentioned like that. A stunt we man. never see him at work. In his well, I think that's the day. thing is like he's kind of out of work. He takes jobs whenever you can get right. him, but it's not like he's kind of been drifting. The bill. In yeah, exactly. And now he's gonna double down on the animal man thing. Yeah. So now he tries to come out of retirement. And he's like, oh, and he's a, he's very much a, he's very much a again. family man. He's married. He has two young children. They're yeah. a big part of the story. Yeah. He's not like Batman. He's not got some. Yep. His motivation is that he just wants to be a superhero. Kid, yeah. Kind of. Which is kind of like, it's refreshing, actually. Yep. It's like you don't have to waste so much time on motivation. Right. I mean, he has motivation, but it's not like the same. It's not like a typical right. thing. And almost that's kind of what's interest, interesting, too, is like, well, why is he doing this? And you kind of have to figure out why. Right. Or what's, what's in it for him, you know? Right. Um, so he's, and this is where it's like the first five issues don't, that pretty much is what happens. Well, I think you have to talk about, like, the first... He runs into a villain and he fights him. Right. Yeah, so the, I think you have to talk separately about the first four issues and then yeah. issue five. Well, initially we were going to do the first four. Right. And then I just read something early, or later that said, like, five is, like, the game changer where it, like, it shifts and becomes yep. something different. Yes. It's like, oh, well, maybe we should at least get to that. I, and I was thinking the same thing. That's what <laughs> we did. So it, it was initially going to be a four-issue miniseries that Morrison would write. Oh. And then at some point it was decided it was just going to be an ongoing. Uh -huh. um, and it's with that fifth issue that I think Morrison really decided what this series was going to be about. And that issue five, which is an odd comic, and we'll discuss it. Yeah, um, I'm not sure I 100% get Yeah, it. uh, it's, it's worthy of discussion. And that's the reaction to Grant Morrison comics, honestly, a lot of the time. Like, I'm mm -hmm. not sure I completely understood it. But it's where Grant Morrison begins to work out what will kind of become his thesis statement on Animal Man. But the first four issues, essentially, the story is um, essentially Animal Man gets uh, called into Star Labs, which is kind of like the deep DC universe. Yeah. Um, they're always Again, doing. that's why I'm thinking like it's so rooted in DC. It's very, much, all very much so. Yeah. yeah, and he talks about wanting to join the Justice League. Yeah. And there's been some kind of break into Star Labs, and they're all the, a bunch of the monkeys there that they've been experimenting on have been fused into like this gelatinous. Yeah, there's a lot of body horror. Body in horror <laughs> blob, and they're like, what the fuck? And then Ant Man, um, in trying to track down the killer, he absorbs a dog's tracking abilities yeah. to do this. He he ends up because um, you know dogs can smell killers. He ends up fighting this like humanoid like rat person and there's a humanoid cockroach yeah. and it's like what is where are all these creatures coming from what is what is happening here mm -hmm. um and what it turns out is it is it's this other even more obscure dc comic superhero called the bawana beast who has an even weirder power <laughs> which yeah, is, I didn't even know which what is it was. he can fuse he, things he can together, fuse right? two different an any two different animals okay. together into like a third being but including humans, too. Or no, yeah, it's just apparently animals. including humans, yeah, because he doesn't... Oh, yeah, because the yeah. guy with the rat. Yeah, the rat, and then at the end, what he does. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> David Cronenberg level. Um, yeah, that's so, fucked up. So, yeah, so essentially it's, it's Morrison taking this weird, goofy, D-list, either Golden Age or Silver Age, I don't even know, um, superhero, mm -hmm. and like just m looking at it through a really weird lens, which yeah. is the whole Vertigo shtick. Um, so, I feel like that's a lot of, I haven't read a lot of his stuff, but I feel like that's a lot of Grant Morrison's shtick, too. Yeah, yeah. He just takes, like, one topic that he feels like there's a lot of right. area to mine, and yeah. he just, like, 
searches yeah. everything involved in it. And that, I think maybe that's why like a clear storyline doesn't come out. It's hard to say here because we only have like a piece of the story. So I don't know if, but that I thought was kind of missing about like what what is the story to this right well i thought i thought the story like in terms of like the plot was more of like a setup well yeah but if you look at the first four issues i think the story the plot was like pretty clear and had a pretty satisfying conclusion yeah yeah so like what ends up one that ends up being is like the buana beast had kind of gone crazy um Mm -hmm. because like his friend was killed in africa or whatever yeah and like um his friend this ape that he had befriended um was um, kidnapped and uh, subjected to these horrible experiments by Star Lab, and that's what the Buana Beast is after. He's trying to yeah. just rescue this hor- this, disease- they, they say this they diseased were... ape who's been infected with anthrax, and it's horrible and sad. They say and... they were, like, testing it out for AIDS. Yeah, not... trying to cure AIDS. They're trying to get, like, a vaccine for right. AIDS. But basically, it's it's the theme is, like, animal testing and animal cruelty. Yeah, they re- the thing is, they really weren't. They were, like, using right. it to experiment, like, with anthrax. Right, stuff. right. So this diseased this diseased ape um, is was the friend of the Buana Beast, and he wanted mm-hmm. to rescue her, and um, the, the ape ends up dying at the end. It's really, like, tragic? Yeah, it's, it's like, sad. <laughs> like, not what I was expecting. Weird. Yeah, but that story, and then there's a, there's a kind of, horrifying like ec comic style ending by way of david cronenberg yeah. where buona beast gets his revenge on the scientist which is quite disturbing um definitely edging into horror which is another hallmark of a lot of these early vertigo series mm-hmm. um so i think like as a like storyline yeah you're right i wasn't thinking about like where the, kind of, where it wrapped up the first yeah as a storyline the first four issues are like a, a decent mystery a kind of cool kind of somewhat quirky look at these characters and it's hold, almost like a like a short story it's like solid the, like the oh henry yeah. short story what i think is missing from these first four issues is what's the hook right yeah. like like if you look at like the early um swamp thing and like what neil gaiman did with sandman it's like those are like radical reinventions of these concepts but do they get you right away so you haven't read either of those yet either pretty much they kind of they take a little bit to find their footing mm-hmm. but I, but but i think both both alan moore and neil gaiman um came in with like a real kind of reinvention yeah. idea and they're also not really superhero books they like like there was a superhero called the sandman in dc mm-hmm. but neil gaiman's like no i want to do something different and like swamp thing was a typical kind of monster of the week book but alan moore was like no i want to do something different um so they were really radical reinventions animal man is basically just a superhero book like it it could fit today like you could publish it today and it would fit into just mainstream dc no problem you know what i mean so so grant morrison even though he kind of became known for this didn't really have like a high concept for animal man in those first four issues as far as i can see Mm -hmm. you know animal rights was going to be i think it was kind of developing because there is parts where i mean it's all like Villain's not related to the direct, like the B story with mm-hmm. his wife. Right. I thought that was kind of bizarre and came out of nowhere. And I think maybe that, like, she's going to almost get raped in the woods. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but that was weird. Some, like, there's guys, hunters. Right. And you go, okay, well, obviously Animal Man probably wouldn't like hunters. Right. But then his wife goes out to the woods and, like, immediately they're like, Grabber. Yeah, that was. I didn't. I was like, that what? was lame. Like, I thought that was. What is happening? Yeah, that was like, weird. Yeah, that. I think that was just. That was weird. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. That was bizarre. Like it did take a lot of weird, dark turns. And it's not that I don't like dark things. I like dark things too. It's just like 
I was trying to figure out where it was going. And you can see, like, it's developing because he becomes, or he's thinking about becoming a vegetarian. Yep. So you, but that is just mentioned, like, in, I think, the fourth story, or, like, yep. later on. Yep. Um, that, like, there's hunting. Like, they just put characters like hunters in it. Yep. And it's like they try to turn him into villains. But you could see, like, he's trying to do something in terms of, like, Animal cruelty? Yeah, a- animal animal rights. How animals, animals fit animal, into the world? Yeah, animal cruelty. Act- that Grant Morrison themselves became a vegetarian around this time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, that was kind of the... He's t- working something out. That was kind of the take on Animal Man. Mm-hmm. But, it, but it didn't have the radical reinvention yeah. of... Of like those other early Vertigo titles, it it it's essentially just a a somewhat quirky superhero comic, mm-hmm. um, at least for the first four issues, um, and then we hit issue five, which is the point at which um, we knew it. They knew it was going to be like an ongoing series, right? So I think Grant Morrison at that point. That's funny because that almost seems like an issue where. This is going to be your last issue, so throw right. whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, but I but I think what it was, and I, and this is kind of just knowing what Animal Man becomes without having read a lot of it, is like it it became about more than just like a, a kind of quirky B-list superhero who's interested in animal rights, and it became a vehicle for Grant Morrison to explore their ideas about like metafiction and levels of reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and issue five is a little kind of thematic preview of what animal man would become. Yeah. So like it's a, it's very self-aware up until the fourth one. Right. Or the fifth one, I guess. And, but the fifth one is where the fourth wall is broken. Yes. And, and that becomes kind of the hallmark of what Animal Man that's is That's what about. I thought it all was. So that's why I was a little bit like reading the first few right. issues. I'm like, where is it? Right. Exactly. It, yeah. The, I, I knew like that right. much. Animal Man really kind of starts with issue five. Yeah. So you're probably but right. We that's what I mean about we should have kept going because I feel like yeah. I didn't really get the real. Right. Right. It wasn't bad. But issue five in and of itself is often pointed to as like um, a, a noteworthy comic, if not mm-hmm. one of the like top tier greats is like this animal. Is where I'm going to sound dumb is like, I'm not sure I really got it. Well, I'm not sure I completely did it. And I'm not sure. And I'll admit, I watched some YouTube videos to like kind of see like, okay, what am I missing? You know, I'm not sure it is as good as people. I, I would agree with that. So, so issue five, um, God, it's a weird comic. Um, yeah. So what happens is there's the, it, first of all, animal man's hardly in it. Yeah, that's true. Um, he, he he just shows up. I at, didn't think about that. He's in yeah. at the very beginning, at the very end. He's kind of like just a witness to these events. He's on the awesome Brian Boland cover. Oh, yeah. We didn't mention <laughs> the Brian. Brian Boland is the other. We'll get back important. to that because he's a 2018 guy. Yeah, he's he's the other important member of this creative team. But anyway. we'll get back to him. Um, so there's um, this. Like this human coyote This thing. trucker who's pick, picked up a hitchhiker, oh, yeah. this kind of troubled girl. And there's kind of some dialogue between the two. He's like, yeah, I had a troubled past. I was into kind of like hustling when I was like in L.A. or wherever they're going. Or She's whatever. hitchhiking. Yeah, he's, San Diego. Yeah, he's like, hey, you know, I hope you don't fall into that kind of thing. And But then he's like, I got saved. He met his partner. He found religion. He has a, a silver cross yep. around his neck. Um, so there's some little character stuff between them. And then they hit this kind of humanoid coyote creature. Yeah. Um, you don't really see it. You don't really see it. Cl- or they don't see it clearly. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, with the truck. And then they just kind of keep going. They're like, well, that was weird. I don't want to look back at what that was. Just some roadkill. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this weird, bizarre humanoid coyote thing, like, is crushed by this truck. But then it, like, regenerates. It, like, stitches itself. And it's, like, 
it has like a dialogue. Yeah, it's explaining like like it's uh, sentient. Yeah, it's, it's an, saying it's like an, my lungs are reinflating. And right, like it's an my body's rebuilding. So it very painfully like regenerates itself. Um, and then more body horror, more body horror. And then you cut to like a year later, mm-hmm. and like the the trucker's like the trucker's him. life has gone to shit. The girl has gone to L.A. and was killed. Yep. Uh, his partner had died. His mother had got cancer. Like, his life has fallen apart. And for some reason, he, like... He, he fixed, thinks, like, that's where thinks, it went wrong. Yeah, this moment where he hit this creature... Yeah, on the road was, like, the turning point in his life. So he's come back to, like, kill this creature, which is kind of, like, weird. That's what I read out of yeah, it? Yeah, which is weird. Am I right? Right. <laughs> no, I think that is what it is. So okay. the, the motivation there for him is a little weird. But, um, yeah, so he, um, what does he do? He, like, he, like. He tries to kill it in a way where it's, like, almost cartoony. Yeah, like Wile E. Coyote. Because yeah. it ends up that this is, like, a Wile E. Coyote character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, like, shoots it. Or, no, he says he has, like, a magic, a magic bullet. That's the cross the that cross. he melted down. Yep, he melted it into a bullet, so he's going to shoot it with that. But first, he like he wounds it. Yeah. So I guess he knows that it can reform itself. Yeah. He must. Yeah. Because he like throws it off a cliff, drops a boulder on it, drops a boulder on him. Then he goes down to the bottom of the cliff because he can. And apparently there was this is the other thing I didn't get that he had a trap. Yeah. There was a bomb that went. Yeah, on. he had set a bomb, but then he like forgotten about it. <laughs> so I don't know. It is kind it of weird. A, but it it felt to begin with like he just wandered into the desert to find him. But it's like well, he was luring him into a trap. Yeah, his trap was at the bottom of the cliff. I know you shouldn't be thinking about all that stuff, but no, I that kind of distracted legitimate. me a little bit too. I mean, I was yeah, like, it's a little confusing because he's like, wait, there's a bomb. I was like, but you're trying to kill him too. Why? So the bomb that you set up is gonna blow him up. But I think it was just because he was near the bomb. Right, he was gonna blow up. Too. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. It looked like he was trying to warn him. Like you're trying to kill him. But. Right. Uh, but then the, it keeps reforming, and finally he does shoot it. Or no, I'm skipping a well, big Well, at the, at the, big we can section. spoil that. At the end, he is finally able to kill it with the bullet he makes from the, the bullet. But yeah. before but before that happens... Um, the coyote kind of goes through his origin story. Yeah, the coyote tells... Animal Man from. shows up. Um, the coyote has this uh, vial around his neck, and inside the vo- vial is the coyote gospel, which is the title of the story. Yeah. He it's has, not a vial. It's like a scroll. Yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's a, this glass tube in, that contains this scroll. Yeah. Animal Man appears to be reading the scroll, and we as the reader see what this scroll says, which is the, the coyote's origin, which is – and this is where we get in the various levels of metafiction and levels of reality. So, like, the coyote comes from this cartoon universe, right? So he's basically Wiley Coyote, yeah. who lives in a world world of cartoons and roadrunner cartoons and everything and it's constantly being killed and resurrected and there's all this cartoon violence that he and all his friends have to suffer and he's like well this sucks so he goes to god and like complains about it and of course god is like a cartoonist and god is like well the world has to be this way for questioning it we're gonna like god is just like a hand and a paintbrush yeah we're gonna like cast you out into like the quote-unquote real world, but of mm-hmm. course it's not the real world. It's Animal Man's world, which is a comic book world. <laughs> but he goes into Animal Man's level of reality. It's like it's almost not meta. <laughs> yeah, but it, it gets is, meta later kinda... because then Animal Man it becomes aware of our world, but that's later. Yeah. But like, so the coyote comes into like the more realistic like Animal Man world and like is doomed to like suffer this like endless like re- death and regeneration. Yeah. So he's like a Christ-like. It's figure. like if you actually were a cartoon character, this is what would happen in the real world. Like if you actually got shot, 
and you kept coming back to life. Right. This is what it would really be like. Right. It'd be terrible. Like, yeah. And, and and there's something this about is like it's punishment. And there's something it? yeah, and there's something of the idea like you have to die for like the sins of like yeah. others or something like this. And then of course like sacrifice. And then of course he dies at, at the crossroads in the road, which is drawn to like yeah. a cross, and he's in, in the pose like I mean, he's Christ. Like, he's the Jesus stand in. Which right? is the same pose that Animal Man is in on the cover of the comic. Uh, yeah, I love that cover too. And the cover and Animal Man is being the drawn. The cover of that comic and, is the cover of the And Animal Man collection. is being drawn by a hand. So we're like there's levels of metafictional yeah. reality. So like Morrison is giving getting at something here which will be explored in like further issues of animal man but like a lot of even the best grant morrison comic books you're you are kind you are kind of like wait what (laughs) like so i think i mean i can read into it and be like okay he's just trying to say something about why do we have to make these ridiculous sacrifices you know like he's the jesus stand-in why not why wouldn't couldn't it be like wiley coyote right like if if we're clearly just making up some myth, why couldn't it be like that? I could kind of read that into yep. it, but I'm also thinking like, there's no way it's that simple. Like yeah. there's got to be more to it than that. Right? Well, I also think like it's, if that is it, it's it is not as good as what. Yeah, no, and and I think I think it isn't great. I don't think this is a great comic, but I yeah. think this. I is... might have been oversold, but when I finished reading it, I no. was like. But I think, like, I think this is like this is at a really particular point in Grant Morrison's career. So he's kind of like been building himself up mm-hmm. as a writer. He started as an artist writer, but um, as a writer a- in these British comics. And then Alan Moore got to come over and become Alan Moore, and Neil Gaiman got to. And now it's like, okay, this is my chance. This is this is Grant Morrison's debut under the American scene. This is his big shot. I think he picked Animal Man too. He did pick Animal Man, this obscure character, and. And and this is Grant Morrison kind of fig because he I read an interview with them not too long ago where they talked about like in the first four issues of Animal Man they were kind of like um, mimicking Alan Moore's writing style and kind of yeah. didn't, hadn't found their own footing yet yeah. and with issue five I think is where we start to see Grant Morrison become the Grant Morrison that we know from later series like The Invisibles and and All Star Superman okay the, that that I don't great All Star Superman is like the only other thing I've yeah. read. But, like, Grant, Grant Morrison is always interested in, like, these big ideas of metafiction and mm-hmm. levels of reality and intertextuality and all this kind of stuff. And, like, as simple and kind of, like, as just okay as I think this story is, I think this is an early step in Morrison's career towards them becoming the, the writer that they're going to be. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Well, I don't think it's, like, a great necessarily story. I mean, it's not like it's bad. It's just, like... It's okay. It's kind of normal it's, it's, to me. Yeah. It's, That's it's, what I kind of walked it's away. We, it's weird. It's quirky. But it's weird in a way where it's like, this is why I like good art and why I think it probably is probably better than what I'm thinking is that it's like the person that who created and wrote it, like you see their personality just like on the page. Right. And like that I can tell. That I, like you can recognize Grant Morrison's writing right. now. And you're right, like, the earlier stuff. It didn't I, seem I started like reading it, and I was like, this is... I haven't even read a lot of his stuff. Like, I've, like I've been a hardcore Morrison head for, like, years. I think and the I've only re- thing I've read is all I've recently just started getting back into their stuff. But, like, if I had read this first, I don't think I would have become a big Grant Morrison yeah, fan. Yeah. Or at least those first four issues. Right. You know right. what I mean? But I am interested to see, like... How Grant Morrison-y Grant Morrison becomes over the run of Animal Man, which yeah. I think is about like a twenty odd issue run or something well, like that's that. That's why I think like, this is the origin of Grant Morrison as like the writer that right. we it's, know from later. It's series. like him, this series; it's that, happening here. That's why I like 
big collections like that. Yeah. And it, collections where it's all the same writer, same artist. I mean, get into the art. The art on this is pretty. Yeah, I do. I do want to make. I do want to make that a point of like, if we keep this as a regular segment of talking about the art in comics, because that's like mm-hmm. a, a criticism I have of comics. Criticism is sometimes again, they don't talk about. But the again, I don't enough. say that it's bad. I'm just saying like, it's kind of like, it's kind of bland. Yeah, I'll I I agree. Kaz Kaz Truog's art here is um, yeah, it's it's pretty. It it looks like a DC comic, <laughs> you know, which is not. You know, it's it's good. It's it's competent. It's well done, but it's like it doesn't have the kind of like quirky kind of like appealing edge that like um, Stephen Bissett and John Tottleman yeah. had in Swamp Thing or all the artists that worked on Sandman. Well, it's had. like it needs it's something just, to match the, like the odd personality right. of, of uh, Grant Morrison. Right. You can tell like he's trying to explore these themes like we're talking about with animal right. cruelty and stuff. And this is just presented very flat. Yeah. Like very like there's so many even like. When he's fighting the creature, yep. like at least make the fight scene interesting. Yeah, and yeah I don't. I don't want to be. It's too not hard. something that I would keep going back. Yeah, to I and don't, flip through. I you don't, know? Totally. I I don't want to be like too hard on the art because like one, I read an interview with Kaz Trug, um recently, who's not a huge Grant Morrison fan, um, and it like he just seems like a cool guy. And then like, oh, I'm not, also no no, I'm not but, saying it's bad. No no, and and also as I've got older, for whatever reason, I kind of am starting to really like kind of stiff, bland comic book art with really clear storytelling. Like, I, I don't know. I'm like, I'm starting to okay. like it. So like, <laughs> um, odd yeah. subgenre. And it's got Tatiana Wood coloring. And so it's, it's very well, competent, but, but I do think it's important to say that this is not mm-hmm. Frank quietly, uh, on all stars. Yeah. Superman. That's the thing. It's like, it needs, it needs an artist who has like a weird quirk to yep, it. Yep. hundred percent. And like, this is, I, I was this trying is, to picture of like an artist who I, like you could literally, and I'm not even say like what is his name, Chaz. Chaz Truog. I'm not. I'm trying, not. Sure. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. I'm not trying to say like you don't need him. I'm just trying to think like if you take this exact same story, like the same four issues, and had a different like. For some reason, I thought like pick some weird guy like maybe close to this or like Mike Mike Elred. Yeah, I know he wouldn't do it because right. he's got his own thing going on. But I'm just trying to think of try to pick like a weird. Yep. Yep. Like, and just like you said, just like the way that Frank Quitely was, if you said Frank Quitely was doing a Superman book, I'd be like, I'm not sure I see it. Right. But then when I looked at that, I was like, God, they had a good take on that. Like, that was perfect. They need some offbeat quirk to them. Yep. And Chaz Truog was just not. Yeah, he's a he's, he's a, a not that guy. He could have been illustrating like Blue Beetle or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, just, he did. And he Blue Beetle's in. There. Yeah, the Blue Cam Blue Beetle cameo, but um. Fortunately, but I don't want to be hard on it either because I actually yeah I don't think it, gets, it's bad. it gets the job done very competent like and especially since I've been drawing myself like I'm like do you know how hard it is oh, yeah, to make do you know how hard it is to make like an average comic book page like you know how hard it is to draw a car in the background <laughs> exactly so yeah Chaz Truckett gets the job done yeah here. no I, I get but it. no you're a hundred percent right and I think that's important to say to convey the what this comic does well is like it doesn't it is missing that kind of work. I actually didn't like Dave Gibbons stuff on Watchmen when I read it mm. initially like when I was whatever a kid. Yeah. Long ago, and I've come to like really. Oh yeah, I but if you look at it, his is kind of like flat too. Yeah, but it's not. But like, if right? It, it, but Dave Gibbons it stands is to be like restudied. You know, a hundred percent. Chaz's stuff is like, what you see is what you get. I'm not going to be flipping back through to ju- you know just to look at the art of no. the graphic novel that I have. 
But fortunately, I through it to read it. Yeah, but, but fortunately, maybe this can be kind of our final thing to talk about, and the last member of the creative oh team. Oh yeah, no, okay, now we went to there's there's at least one great image in every issue, and that's on the cover. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> by the great Brian Bolin. Yes. So the 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 cover to I only really know him from he did like Judge Dredd. He, covers, he's a right? yeah famous. Is he, is he just a cover? He, no, he's he's done interiors. So well, he, I know he did Killing Joke. He's done interiors on Judge Dredd. He did the Killing Joke, but he's actually done very few interiors. I think he's another. Really Okay. Slow artist does mostly covers. That makes sense. But man, those pretty covers. Detailed. Man, those covers. Those are great. Yeah. So the covered issue five that I described is iconic to me. That's the iconic. That's Animal the Man cover, cover of the collection that I got. Too. Oh, okay. They put that one on the cover. I, and the the collections I have have new covers. So I should show those to you. New Brian Boland covers. Ooh, new, yeah. new images made just Ooh. for the covers. Um. So yeah, Brian Boland. If people don't know him, because um, I think. We have mostly, obviously, movie fans for this I mean, podcast. I guess in a perfect world, he would do the interiors. I kind of yeah, forgot about exactly. him. That'd be the perfect world. And he did covers for um, some of the second volume of The Invisibles, and they were all great. Okay. Um, I don't know if I know any of them. So, yeah, he is a super realistic, super precise, super clean um, artist uh, and just can draw anything and make it look amazing. Like, he drew the perfect Joker yeah. in The Killing Joke, and it's just amazing images on every He's a cover. little Dave Gibbons-ish, too. Yep. It is, there is that British kind of stiff quality to their stuff. Yeah. Very precise, very clean, I think um, if, but gorgeous. If I looked at it as a kid, I'd just be like, that is a really well-drawn person. Right. But now if I go back and look at that shit, I'm like, God, that's good. Yeah. Like, but even just like with Brian Boland, I think, is he like completely at 100% behind the covers? Because I think there's That's like a good question. There's like a certain art to making the cover art. Well, especially if you look at number five, the, the design of the. Well, cover yeah. Let's great. well let's let's talk about number five, and and also I would argue that number five is a panel in the story because the the last panel in in that coyote book is Animal Man looking over the body of the coyote and the Christ figure on yeah. the cross, and then you see I think the paintbrush the up in the blood up in the air painting in the blood, but then the cover. The coyote is not on the cover. Animal Man is on the cover. Animal Man he's is in, in the, the Christ-like pose, too. and he's being drawn by a hand, that presumably artist's hand, yeah. which foreshadows where the series would go because Animal Man is going to do the same thing that the coyote does, which is become aware of the level of reality that he lives in yeah. as compared to our reality and starts to question, well, who's writing this? Who's making me go through this, and why are they doing it? I right? know a little bit about that because I've right. heard Graham Morrison interviews, so I kind of yeah. know a little so, bit. So, like, the cover provides... Doesn't he, like, become a character? In his Graham Morrison appears <laughs> in the comic. Which so I like, is great. Yeah. But... So, like, the cover becomes a bit of foreshadowing that isn't quite in the comic. Yeah, so, like, how know? much information was Brian That's Bowen given? That's a good given? question. I would love to know that. Because yeah. the, just the design... I was thinking about this with... I, I know an artist that a lot of, like, real fans give shit to is Alex Ross. Mm-hmm. But if there is an art to making the cover, oh yeah, to make just like uh, do an entire or sum up an entire story with like just one image, yeah. And I know Alex Ross is famous for making like realistic shit, right? But I think he knew he's smart enough to know like just doing that is boring, right? So I need to be able to like design. Right. What sums up like those Astro City covers that I've seen, and the covers to like. All the stuff that Alex Ross does is great. And the, I had the same reaction with the Brian Boland covers because I know we've only been through five, but I've, like, looked way ahead and I've seen, yeah. like, all the other ones. And he gets better, too, I think, as he goes along. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some really good... The, I saw the cover in the, ne- the next collection is, like, him standing back-to-back with the monkey or whatever. Okay. 
don't know. It just they all look great. But again, they're all like clearly thought out and designed. Yeah, so, that's a great question. I'm. I will, uh, yeah, I guess I don't know I, the answer to that. Either. I will look this up if I can find it um, after the podcast. If if Boland ever talked about that in interviews. I mean, obviously he had some information. He's not going in blind. Right. He knew the story, but, but did, did he design the because because Morrison started as a. Um, I would assume he did. Morrison started as an artist, mm-hmm. so like he does a lot of sketching and like. I um, heard that he actually does. He does the same thing that like um, Alan Moore does. Right. Where he'll draw it out for yeah. him. Yeah. So, himself right and he won't show it to he'll yeah. describe what he just drew yeah. so i don't think i don't know it, I, I would assume like for the most part brian Bolin is behind it yeah. either way they're they are fantastic well if i find the information i'll put it on our facebook and stuff because um i am curious about that but yeah Reach great out to brian Boland. great covers by um brian boland brian boland's the, the creative uh person here who's firing on all cylinders Morrison is still becoming Morrison. Yes. Castrug is getting the job done, but he's not setting the world on fire. Um, but Boland is like, he comes in was like... Was this his first stuff? Or? No, he was no, 2008. No, he would have done Judge Dredd and stuff like oh, that. Oh, that, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, I think. I'm not, again, I'm not an expert in that, but What's yeah. What's he doing now? I thought I he know. was like a comic artist. I didn't realize he, he was mainly a cover. Well, I think just because of The his, only thing I knew was I think because Joe. of his speed, he does mostly like covers. Yeah. I mean, that totally makes sense. Yeah. He does do a really good story in that Batman Black and White. Yeah, yeah, I thought he had one in there. Yep, yeah, if you can get like a short story from him or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, he can. He got like eight pages. Yeah. So. No, he's and there are artists like that. Like Adam Hughes is like that. Arthur Adams is like mm-hmm. that. Like they just have sort of become. But cover. That Batman story is good. Too. They've just sort of become cover artists. But anyway, we're going too far afield. We gotta like pull. Yeah, this, let's call it. Day. Call it a or call anyway. it a day. So, um, but are you gonna keep reading Animal Man? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm. I want to see where it goes. You know, because like I said, I think, I'll I at think least we, get the next collection. Yeah, I feel because... like even though we were the first five issues, it's just kind of getting started. So yeah. I want to see where it goes. I think we kind of stopped too early because it's yeah. like at this point, I have a lot to say of where I want it to go. Right. I don't have a lot to say about it so far. You know. Well, maybe if we <laughs> kind of like the setup. Maybe if we keep reading Animal Man and we both are interested in it, have enough to say, we can like maybe we can review like the last issue. I think I'll Animal at least Man. get the next collection. Yeah, I think I have. I think I'm like halfway through the first one that it, they're not huge collections. Right. I think it's like it's probably ten issues because I think I'm halfway through. Yeah. And so I think maybe I'll at least buy the yeah. second one to check it out. Maybe. Yeah, I'm gonna keep reading. They're relatively it. cheap. I'm I think it's keep, like thirty. I'm gonna bucks. keep reading it. I'm kind of on a DC kick right now. I'm mm-hmm. I'm definitely kind of on an early vertigo. Well, I get sidetracked pretty easily. Yeah, too. so I mean, do I. You mentioned I bought the Judge Dredd yeah. collection too, yeah. so I'm always kind of like well. If Got we, the feelers if out we there. keep going with Animal Man and, and find more to say about it, maybe we'll revisit it in a future comics corner on our If not, uh, it's been nice here. to know you. Animal yeah, Man. And, you know, but maybe, I, I would say check out Animal Man, maybe read along with yeah. us a little bit. I'll um, say at this point, like, not having read, I don't know how far ahead you've read I, in, yeah. your, in your past. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I might have read a few issues beyond this. But I'll remember. say that this is, like, it is intriguing to yeah. this point. Yep. So it's like, if this were a comic that I was... I was going to say, if this is a comic that I was reading, this is a comic. <laughs> if this is a monthly comic you're picking up in the store. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, in, I would keep going. You'd come in for the next issue, yeah. at least. All right. Well, I wouldn't pull the plug in. That's kind of the highest praise that a monthly you know, DC comic can receive. Yeah. So, um, thumbs it, up it's on. It's got personality. Yeah. A, a lot of comics. And for me, I'm. A lot of bad shit and, doesn't And for happen. me, I'm interested in like the origin of Grant Morrison. I, I want to see them become the writer that I know from like my personal favorite Grant Morrison work, The Invisibles, which is another. Yeah, I got to read. Maybe more we can read stuff. at some point. Or Doom but, Patrol. 
Doom Patrol, which which was contemporary with Animal Man, so he, so they started Doom Patrol like. Well, that's the other thing is like he had such like psychedelic stuff. Yeah, I like him kind of reined in a little bit. Yep. That's another reason why I picked Animal Man. Yeah, because I was like, what is like a grounded? Right. <laughs> I think I texted you that too. I was like, is there a grounded Grant Morrison? Story? Yeah, like weird, but Superman not Superman is weird. a little bit. Yeah, but even that gets like yeah. he's on Bizarro Planet. Yeah. you know whatever. Yeah. It's like, is there is there what like a ground level what, Grant what, Morrison? What's their most normal comic? <laughs> and it was until the anthropomorphic coyote. Right, right. But even that, it's like, okay, I, you got me hooked a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we'll so. see how Grant Morrison it gets as it goes along. Yeah, I'm digging it so far. Yep, same here. Sorry. All right, cool. Thumbs up on Rocketeer. Thumbs up on Animal Man. Um, you guys give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down on this new uh, Comics Corner segment, but I'd like to keep doing them. I think we have maybe an idea for our next one. It won't be Animal Man, but um, oh yeah. Yeah, we might have something else to talk about. So, we'll <laughs> throw uh, too many ideas. I'm like Grant Morrison, except my ideas suck. <laughs> so we'll see how the the new segment goes. But uh, I think that we'll put a pin in this episode. I think we'll okay. wrap it up. Call it today. All right, we will talk to you guys soon. Uh, see you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs>